The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I'm joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for week six of the fantasy football season. And also, as always, Rich Rebar will be by later to discuss some of the more interesting data points from his weekly worksheet. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Before we get to all of the action, however, I would like to mention the best way you can help out the show is by rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you find it, whether that be on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other service. Rating and reviewing helps other people find the show. It helps us out in the rankings, and we very, very much appreciate it. So make sure you rate uh, and review as early and often as possible wherever you find the show, and uh, and uh, we, we thank you for it. All right. So with that out of the way, let's get to the action. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? I am living the dream, my friend. Last week, I mean, last week was a crazy week, mostly because I was really high on Sammy Coates, and even though he had a huge game, he still disappointed me. And then I'm high on him this week again, and and now he's not even practicing on Wednesday. And this is this is what it this is why you shouldn't fall in love in fantasy football, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, gosh, Coates could have had at least four touchdowns last week. It would have, it could have been a huge game. And even when, like, so when you say at least four touchdowns, normally when someone in fantasy says that, you're thinking, oh, that's just hyperbole. No, he legitimately yeah, dropped real. Four tu- two or three other touchdowns. Like, this wasn't, this isn't like, oh, well, you know, he could have had it. And it was like separate drives, too. It wasn't like two on the same drive where it would obviously only have been one touchdown. The one that he dropped from like four yards out, where he he there was literally no one around him. It looked like it was it looked like it was a practice, and they were just running routes on air. And he and he dropped it. And yeah, that was, wasn't that the one from the one yard line? He just ran like a simple quick slant, like into the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, that one. I I thought it was yeah. even I thought it was even further out than that. Uh, so yeah, there was upsetting. nobody on him, and they just laid face down in the end zone and <laughs> slammed his hands on the ground. Now he has a cut, so. We'll see what happens with him. We're not going to talk about him. We don't know, really know that situation. Uh, one of the situations where we're still a little murky on, but it's a big story, is that on Wednesday it came out that Jordan Reed is in the concussion protocol. He started to complain about symptoms on Tuesday. They placed him in the protocol on Wednesday. When we're recording this, we're still kind of a little bit in the kind of beginnings of the situation, so we don't have the whole story. As of yet, when you're listening to it, more news might have come out. But this is very concerning for Reed. Even if he does not, I guess, diagnosed with a concussion, he has a long and scary history with concussions. I think that 
it's safe to say he's unlikely to play this week, or at least it looks like that right now. So how do you see this situation playing out? And and if he doesn't play, I guess, because we do kind of have to talk about the fantasy ramifications, if he doesn't play, who's really going to benefit uh, from a fantasy perspective from him not being out there? Yeah, I wasn't even liking Reed very much this week at all because the, the Eagles are just so good against tight ends. Two of the best safeties, probably the best safety duo in the league, and uh, Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins. Then Jordan Hicks in the middle is awesome in coverage. So this just gives us an out to not play Jordan Reed if we have a better option. But uh, for guys looking to step up, if he doesn't play, I'm not buying any of the tight ends. I don't like Vernon Davis or Niles Paul at all. I'm just, those guys just don't tickle my fancy whatsoever. Uh, Jamison Crowder, maybe get a couple extra targets in the middle of the field, Pierre Garcon, but I really look to uh, Deshaun Jackson in a revenge spot narrative street against a weak cornerback group. And Jip, Coach Jay Gruden just said on Wednesday that they want to get Djax the ball more. So I like him a lot this week if Reed sits. The problem with him is always going to be, can Cousins get him the ball yeah. consistently? That's always going to be a problem. You mentioned the two tight ends, Vernon Davis and Niles Paul. Vernon Davis has been playing more snaps. He's played basically 50% of the snaps the last three weeks. But you have to wonder if with Reed out, they're going to let Davis keep being the blocker. They'll bring in Paul, who, you know, former wide receiver. We, we've seen him actually have some big receiving games in his career with Reed out. But like you said, the Eagles are great against tight ends. Jamison Crowder has been phased out of the offense somewhat. Do they bring him back in, use fewer two tight end sets? It's really up in the air, this whole situation. And I think you make it, I think you make a good call with, with Deshaun Jackson and, and how they're going to have to find somebody to make some big plays in that offense, which it really hasn't been, hasn't been happening as of yet. Yeah. We're just going to have to watch the wind and all that. Cause the wind played a factor last week and outdoor games, you know, getting into the fall weather, wind's going to start picking up some games. And to that point, People always worry about snow and rain. I worry nothing about those things. Yeah. Wind, that's the one. And wind is the one Especially you really have to worry about. Guys like Jackson who just run go routes. But in some better news, at least, uh, it wasn't all doom and gloom on Wednesday, although the Reed situation, for some reason, has got me upset. I don't, I don't like that at all. But following a pretty ugly game against the Bucks on Monday, the one in four Panthers. Can you believe one in four Panthers that I'm saying that mm. sentence? is just crazy. What, it what is they've crazy. Been what they've been early, but they're mercifully going to get back Cam Newton this week, it looks like, and they're definitely going to get back Jonathan Stewart. I think we kind of expected it. Both were in practice on Wednesday. This is kind of shaping up as a must-win game in New Orleans this week. So how are you valuing Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart? Yeah, must-win game for both teams, right, really, especially if they want to catch these these Falcons in the division. But uh... – I mean, I'm assuming Cam's going to get cleared, and he had two of his three 300-yard passing games against the, the Saints last year and threw five touchdowns in, in the one in New Orleans. So, obviously, the spot's great, and uh, especially in DFS, you're going to get him at super low ownership, especially coming off concussion, bad start to the season. So, I love him at 8,900 on FanDuel for GPPs. I mean, it, it's just an awesome spot. You're going to get him under... 10%, maybe under 5%. I don't even know. I haven't looked at the projections yet, but you're going to get Cam Newton super low owned. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And more than the passing, which I mean, you mentioned it, he had 646 combined yards and seven combined touchdowns against the Saints last year, which, you know, that's kind of okay. But in his last four games, he's averaging 52 yards rushing against them and has a touchdown in three of the four games. So this is a prime spot for him. You look at Jonathan Stewart, it looks like a really good spot for Stewart, but 
the Saints, they've given up the most points to running backs, but most of that's because of touchdowns. They've given up nine total touchdowns to running backs this year. Jonathan Stewart doesn't score touchdowns, not like you would expect a number one back in this kind of offense to do because Cam Newton scores touchdowns at the goal line. He only had six touchdowns last year, 18 attempts inside the 10. So if you're looking at this situation and saying, well, this looks like a great matchup for Stewart, if he comes back and he's healthy, it is a pretty good matchup. But what makes it a great matchup is a place that Stewart doesn't really doesn't really thrive, at least when Cam Newton's healthy. Yeah. If Stewart could have played last weekend, that would have been the spot to have him because Artis Payne got those two touchdowns. Obviously, Derek Anderson wasn't going to run the touchdowns in. So it's just kind of bad luck for Stewart owners. And then finally, Des Bryant returned to practice Wednesday and said that he will play this week if he feels good on Friday. It seems like the beat reporters are a little more skeptical about his ability his yeah. ability to play this week. He also added that there's no need to rush back, which shows that he's kind of he's okay sitting through the bye week. So with kind of all of that in mind, do you think that Dez is going to play this week? My money would be on the no. I don't think he's going to play. I think they'll hold him out through the bye. They're four and one. They don't need to rush him. They've been playing fine without him. Uh who are they even playing this week? I can't even think. They're playing the in Lambeau. They're playing Green Bay. In Lambeau, okay, yeah. I mean, it's just not a spot to push him, especially with the bye coming up. I just don't think he's going to play. Yeah, I kind of lean that way too. But, I mean, it is important to note that that in his absence, Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler have been getting a lot of targets. Regardless of what we saw last week, it doesn't sound like Sam Shields is going to be back. The Packers' secondary is not good. If he plays, he's going to certainly be worth starting. But, uh, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that this is going to go – the beat writers seem so convinced that he's not going to play this week that I, I think there's something in there that that they know something you know that something behind the scenes that I think he's going to be held out to the buy and, and we'll kind of we'll kind of see what happens there. Yeah, Jason Garrett's kind of been playing that sneaky card too this season. He's not letting anything out through the media too much, and I don't think he'll let anything out till Friday. And he's been and the Cowboys have been having that playing the injury report game on Fridays too, listing. Tony Romo as questionable two weeks ago, and then Des Bryant as questionable too, when we knew they weren't going to play. Uh, that this injury report, it has not gotten better this year. I can I can no, tell you gosh, that. Dude, doing Wednesdays is I do Wednesday news all day by myself, and it's just so bad. It's just constant injuries. Uh, yeah, I do the Friday. I do the Friday injury wrap up, and it's just so many. The Bears, man. I, I'm so done with John Fox. Oh, I, I can't so, wait till injuries are just done. I can't wait till he's fired. And I don't. Yeah. I'm. I don't normally say that because you know, coaches are people, and you know they have families and everything. But listing people that don't even practice it's doubtful. I'm just done with it. I can't even handle it anymore. Yeah, him and Jim Caldwell too. Jim Caldwell's playing that game too. Ugh. Makes my life makes my life worse. All right, so let's move on to happier thoughts. Um, so guys that you kind of liked this week, kind of as expected. Jamal Charles is back. He's practicing in full following the team's bye. And he said that the training wheels are coming off this week. Now, the problem with Jamal Charles is that Spencer Ware is still there. So how big of a workload do you see him getting now that he is back? And it seems like near 100%. And do you like him this week against the Raiders? Yeah, I love him in the spot. I think he's trying to get out ahead of it a little bit, not wait for it to happen. I think he's a great running back to play with the obvious upside and especially on in uh, daily leagues, everyone's going to be paying out for running back this, this week. And Charles's price is definitely way down compared to past seasons, what he's produced. So I think this could be a good spot for GBPs for Charles and the Raiders are allowing 4.9 yards per carry to running backs, the eighth most fantasy points to the position 21st and run defense DVOA. And 
we know Alex Smith isn't going to tear the cover off the ball, throwing it around the yard. So if they get Charles back and I could, I could probably, I'd probably guess 15 to 18 touches with maybe upside for more, but I wouldn't go any more and much higher than that. And I, Spencer Ware has been having these fumble issues lately too. So I just think they're going to try and ride Charles. And if he shows that he can handle it, I think they'll let him get the hot hand. And kind of to your point about the defense, they made Melvin Gordon look like a competent running back last week. He averaged like 4.3 yards per carry, which he hadn't, he hadn't been able to do again in two great matchups before that. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, this run defense is, is not great. Uh, this defense is a big disappointment so far this year, for sure. Yeah. I am very worried about Spencer Ware. I think it'll be something like a 55-45 split with maybe Ware getting the goal line. I but I was worried about Spencer Ware before the year. So this isn't this isn't just because of what's happened early in the season, but to but again, Charles has proven before in his career that he can be a very very good fantasy player on limited touches and this is a this is a great matchup. So I'm on board completely with you, especially especially in DFS because like you said, his price is down. And that ownership is probably not going to be as high as, as maybe it would be in normal situations. Yeah, and the Raiders are kind of shuffling their linebackers lately, too. They just signed Perry Riley last week and plugged him in immediately as a starter. He played well against the Chargers, but, I mean, Perry Riley got cut by the Redskins earlier this season, and the Redskins are, have been searching hard for or for linebackers. So, I mean, I'm not expecting Riley to come in and save this defense. So, basically, the only wide receiver the Eagles have, minus the— minus the ghost of Doriel Green Beckham. I call him the ghost because I'm not sure he actually exists. I think that he might just be some some spirit sent to haunt my fantasy He looked teams. so good last week on two catches then just couldn't catch a touchdown that was like laid in his lap. That, it's just, he's so, he should be so strong when the ball's in the air and he's so often so weak when the ball's in the air. And I like just- Michael Floyd syndrome, big guy, but super soft. Uh, it just, it drives me crazy. But that run after the catch, that stiff arm- couple plays you just you see it you see the glimpses no it makes you happy but we're this is not time for me to have some therapy about Dorio <laughs> we're talking about Jordan Matthews who has at least 65 yards in three or four games last year but he just saw four targets last week against the Lions which is slightly concerning are you worried about that continuing this week or do you like him a little bit this week no I think just the matchups last week were just so good for every receiver against the Lions that Carson Wentz could spread the ball around this week. Josh Norman should be playing through that wrist injury. He's been practicing. He came back in the game, so he should be fine. And I don't think he's going to travel into the slot to face Jordan Matthews. Do you think he is? I don't think he will. Do you? No, I mean, he he really has not done that. Yeah, he hasn't career. done it at all. I haven't seen too much of it, seen too much of his play this year, and I don't think he's been doing it. So Even, even when he would shadow Odell Beckham, he wouldn't follow him into the slot. Like, it's just, it's not, not where he feels comfortable playing. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't, I mean... Jordan Matthews is going to run a ton of routes against Kendall Fuller, a third-round rookie, had microfracture surgery last season, just played in his first or second game last week, played pretty decently against the Ravens, but they lost Steve Smith early in the game, and he really didn't face too much competition. So I think the middle of the field is where the Redskins are definitely vulnerable. Uh, they gave up a, a, seven, a 573-1 receiving line to Sterling Shepard in Week 3. He's a slot receiver for the Giants. Steelers slot receiver Eli Rogers put up six catches 59 yards and one touchdown in week one. And then Cole Beasley caught five passes for 75 yards in week two. So the middle of the de- middle of the defense against the Redskins is where to attack them. And I know that he had the interception late, but Carson Wentz looked really good against the Lions. They kind of got blitz blitzkrieged a little bit 
when the Lions came out and scored. I think they scored a touchdown on their first three possessions or pretty quickly in the game. Yeah, uh, they but did. but he had a he had a you know a great response drive after the second touchdown. I thought he looked great. He'd like to have that last throwback for sure. But I'm I'm all in on the Wentz train, and I I like. Matthews is the only option in this passing game, really, unless they they get Zach Ertz going. I kind of do like Ertz too a little bit. Yeah, I could see I mean, that. I could see Ertz a little bit too. Yeah. They're gonna try and run the ball, I think, but just they don't have running back talent unless they put Smallwood back there. And Ryan Matthews is just so bad. No, no, we're that we'll have a conversation about this off air. I because <laughs> I disagree vehemently, but we got to move on. But but yeah, I, I think they're going to they should try to run because Washington is is awful. But yeah. in fact, not running against Washington apparently gets you fired. Note note to Mark Trestman. So there you go. So Eric Decker was officially placed on injured reserve Wednesday in health season ending shoulder surgery. That comes from rap sheet. That'll be season ending. That makes Quincy Anunwa the unquestioned number two in New York moving forward. But it doesn't sound like you are excited about him this week against the Cardinals. Yeah, I know he's going to get some volume, but the Cardinals are moving Tyron Matthew back to slot corner. Coach Bruce Arians confirmed that last last night, and uh, he played slot corner last week against Jeremy Curley and gave up a touchdown. But I think he's a more physical for his size, and Quincy Anun was not very fast. I think he should be able to keep up with him. And Tyron Matthew was Pro Football Focus's number one overall corner last season, and I just don't see the Jets having very much success on Sunday. I, I like Anun long term, but I just don't like him this week. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think people are people. I mean, he, he was dropped in a lot of leagues this this weekend or in the waiver period on you know Tuesday and Wednesday. People are kind of off of him because he had six for sixty and four for fifty one. But I mean, that was against two top ten fantasy wide receiver defenses. One of those was the Seahawks. He has zero red zone targets in the in the last two weeks. That's a big concern if he's going to be Eric Decker part two. But I think we'll see how it shakes out. But you're right, the matchup there. It's certainly not great for him. Even if they get him off Tyron Matthew, Deion Buchanan's probably going to see some of them too. And he's he's a converted safety inside linebacker, so he can cover as well. And finally, even with Gronk back and doing Gronk things, which is great to see him just rampaging through the center of a, the middle of a defense. I'm not a Patriots fan, but there's not much I like to see more than Gronk running through a secondary with reckless abandon. It's just, it's one of my favorite things to see on a football field, but even with him, even with him back and doing that, Martellus Bennett held in six passes for 67 yards and three touchdowns, three touchdowns are just incredible. But it sounds like you are jumping off the bandwagon this week. Why? Yeah, I'm just not going to chase those three touchdowns. A ton of people are going to do that. I just, the, the Bengals are good against tight ends. They're only allowing 2.6 catches per game to the position overall. Got Vontez perfect back in the line back in the lineup a couple weeks ago. He's an awesome cover linebacker. Does it all. Safeties, George Iloka and Sean Williams both have size to match up well with tight ends. So I'm just not going to chase this three touchdown game from Martellus Bennett. And the and the Bengals are vulnerable on the outside. So I think this could be a game to get Julian Edelman going for, with Tom Brady. And then I like LeGarrette Blunt as well on the ground. Well, that, I don't like that last part because I just traded LeGarrette Blunt, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see. I love me some Blunt. I'm I'm a big Blunt fan. I just love him every week. His touchdown upside's huge. Yeah, I no, I agree. But I love Doug Martin too, and so uh, sometimes you got to give away good to get good back. So excellent stuff as always. Nick's column you can find it on RotoWorld.com. Stardom, Sidum. As you're listening to this podcast, it is most definitely up, so make sure you go read it. You should read it every single week. You can also find Nick on Twitter, at Nick Minzio, or you can find him 
every single Thursday on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. As always, thanks for coming on, Nick, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, catch you next week. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on the Tweety Machine at Lord Reeves. You can find his must-read weekly column, The Worksheet, every Wednesday on rotoworld.com. Go and check it out right now. Uh, unless you're in your car, then go and check it out you know, when you get to wherever you're going. Get there safely. And you can find him every week on this episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Rich. How's it going? It's going great. You know, here we are already basically a, a third of the way through the NFL season, which is pretty wild, you know, almost halfway through the fancy season. So, I mean, all the big bye weeks are about to come up here in the next couple of weeks. I think we still only have this week. There's two teams to buy next week. There's two. And then we have like two weeks of six teams each. They just hit us all at once and says spread it out. But, you know, we're in the nitty gritty here of, uh, you know, the halfway of the fantasy season, basically. I'm looking forward to those six team buys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can't can't complain about those. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think anybody listening can understand how how wonderful three fewer games is for someone who has to cover every single game. Yeah, I absolutely. If you've consumed, you know, uh, any of the work we do, the worksheet or even Evan's monstrous article, his soliloquy, uh, you know, then the, you know, shaving off three games is a big deal for those. <laughs> All right, with our with our petty with our petty <laughs> grievances, the people from the factories are just listening to this so upset about uh, us complaining about three football games. So we're, we apologize. We'll go yes. move on to the content, and we will talk about Lashawn McCoy, who has been absolutely awesome this season, especially since Anthony Lynn has taken over as offensive coordinator the last three games. The Buff- the Buffalo Bills get the 49ers at home this week. I'm going to go ahead and assume you think he's a must start in that matchup. Yeah, absolutely. After an injury riddled 2015, McCoy, like you said, he's looked spry, you know, to start 2016. He was finished in the top 17 every week so far this season. He ranks in the top 10 in just about every major rushing category. And that's while he's faced four defenses that rank in the top half of points allowed to running backs and three defenses that rank in the top 12. I mean, he's got 47% of the Buffalo touches. That's the fourth highest rate for any player in the league. 41% of McCoy's carries have also gone for five or more yards. That's the highest rate of all players with 40 or more carries in the season. And like you said, this week he's going to host the San Francisco team traveling across country for an early start. And the 49ers are just getting gashed on the ground. After allowing just 65 rushing yards week one to the Rams, they've allowed 167 rushing yards per game over the past four weeks. That's the most in the NFL. And they've allowed a 100-yard rusher in every one of those games. They've lost Navarro Bowman now for the year. Eric Armstead is dealing with a shoulder injury. I mean, you're just talking about this is a bad mix uh, when facing the Buffalo Bills, who are as run-heavy as anyone. 44.8% of the Buffalo Bills' offensive yardage comes from rushing output. That's the highest rate in the league. So, I mean, wheels up are for McCoy, just basically being a locked-in RB1 this week. And it's kind of difficult to overstate how good he has looked this season. He's a running back six overall. He scored 18.7 standard points a game since Anthony Lynn has taken over in standard. We're not talking PPR. That's, you know, that's really, really good. He is going to be a running back one as long as he is healthy, which is hopefully for the rest of the season. Speaking of people I hope are healthy the rest of the season, (laughs) Mr. Rob Gronkowski, I was talking with Nick about how great it was to see him kind of rampaging through the Browns uh, secondary to see him back and doing Gronk things. So he saw what the Patriots did to the Browns last week. This week, the Browns travel to Tennessee to face the Titans. 
And that passing game kind of got going last week against the Dolphins, which apparently is who you need to face to get your passing game going. So in this situation, are you looking towards Laney Walker this week? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Titans receiving core is kind of a wasteland. Uh, and, you know, outside of the, the receiver position, Walker remains the player that the passing game, you know, kind of air quotes passing game there channels through. You know, after missing week three, Walker came back. He's had 28% of the Tennessee targets. The matchup for Walker couldn't be dreamier as well. The Browns are allowing 10.8 targets, 8.6 receptions, and 100.2 receiving yards per game to opposing tight ends. They've allowed a five top 10 scores uh, to tight ends on the season. You look at Walker, uh, then you look at the Browns too, 33% of the receiving yardage against the Browns has been by opposing tight ends. That's the highest rate in the league. They've uh, also allowed 15 plus points to every quarterback they face this season. So there should be enough points from Marcus Mariota to also float Walker, you know, being able to turn in a top five performance this week. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would extend this to Marcus Mariota, um, who I, I bailed on way too quickly based on what he had done. And I still, you mentioned the, you mentioned the wide receiver core. It is bad. It is really bad, but they get the Browns, the Colts, the Jags, the Chargers, the Packers, the Colts again, and then the Bears before their bye week. So this is a situation where they, they finally, they got the running game going like they want to. The, the defense is playing well. They're able to control the clock. This could be a situation where, where Mariota and the whole passing game finally gets to, you know, turn it around and I think be what people thought Mariota would be early in the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's had a couple really good matchups that they've kind of left on the table. He's, you know, you had the Detroit and, and Oakland. He's the only guy that like kind of be bad against both those teams. Um, but I think that Mariota's a guy too. Like he, he's the kind of guy that plays better with positive script, like the, exactly what he wants to do. He can use his legs, uh, make a lot more conservative throws. I mean, you saw some of the decision-making he had early in the season, you know, um, was kind of, you know, hampering his performance there. So hopefully this is a good get-off point from him last week, you know, and he's able to roll it over into some of these good matchups he still has on the table. Finally, let's hit the Chiefs, who traveled to Oakland this week to face the secondary, which you just mentioned, has been very disappointing in the early going. I think certainly much worse than we thought coming into the season. Coming out of the bye, are Alex Smith and Jeremy Macklin people you're targeting this week? I mean, for, yeah, I mean, I, I look at uh, Jesus Smith here. He ranks second in the league in pass attempts per game, largely because the Chiefs have been just getting waxed this season, you know, similar to their start in 2015. The Chiefs have trailed by two or more possessions uh, for 53% of their offensive plays. That's the highest rate in the league. Uh, this week, there's some shootout potential in Oakland. The Raiders have allowed the third most passing yards through five games in NFL history. I mean, every QB to face the Raiders has been a top six fantasy play, except for the guy we just talked about, Marcus Mariota. I mean, if you're a team that has been trying to wait out Eli Manning or you have a Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers this week, I mean, Alex Smith's a guy I would look to off waivers, and he's probably there because he's on by a week ago. And then at the receiver position, doubling down on Kansas City here, because the Raiders have been so giving versus the pass, they're in turn just getting roasted by opposing receivers. They're allowing 219 yards receiving per game to opposing wide receiver units as the most in the league. They've allowed six top 15 scoring receivers on the season, four in the top 10. I mean, Macklin has been a slow starter so far. He has just one top 30 scoring week. But the Chiefs have been trying to get him going. They're moving around more than they ever did in 2015. I mean, this season, Macklin's running 45% of his routes in the slot. That number was just at 31% in 2015. I mean, when he goes into the slot this week against Oakland, he'll find DJ Hayden there, a guy he should absolutely be able to handle. So, I mean, I like Macklin to have a big bounce back week. And, I mean, if he doesn't hit here, then I don't really know what to tell you uh, going forward on Jerry Macklin. And it's disappointing that – with how much Alex Smith is throwing, and you mentioned yeah. it's, it's almost exclusively down to game script, 
I'd expect it to come down uh, as we move through forward in the season. He's on pace to throw 672 times this year. He's never thrown more than 508 attempts in yep. his career. So like that, this is going to come back down. But even with him throwing that much, Macklin has not been very good. Like you said, he's yet to top 80 yards in a game. So it's disappointing what we've seen from Macklin. But like you said, this is a good spot to turn it around. We'll see what he does this week. But if it if it's not this week, then I'm going to have to seriously start questioning mm-hmm. My Macklin love, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely right there with you, and I've got him in a few spots, and I've been kind of holding, not using him, um, and this week I'm all in. So hopefully he he turns it back on. All right, well that's it for us. Remember, you can follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work, including the worksheet, which has the stuff we just talked about, plus infinitely more information on every single matchup. You can find that on RotoWorld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio's work on Roto World. You can follow him at Nick Minzio. Also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you find it. That's it for us. Talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.